0: Chapter Seventeen of the Wild Irishman by Thomas William Hodgson, T. W. H. Crossland. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by John Brandon. Chapter Seventeen: The Tourist. The tourist is the curse of Ireland, as he is the curse of most places. When one comes to consider the enormous number of grievances the Irish and their political figureheads have managed to rake up one wonders that the tourist should hitherto have escaped that he constitutes a grievance and a grievance which affects seriously the main body of the irish people cannot be doubted it is quite obvious to begin with that the tourist in ireland is usually of the hated sassanich race irishmen do not tour in their own country as englishmen do or scotchmen have been known to do they have too little money for indulgences of that kind, and if money be plentiful, they prefer to visit England or America. The Englishman, however, insists on taking a holiday in Ireland some time in his life, even though it be only on his honeymoon, so that in the more suitable months the country bristles with tourists, and the great majority of them are English. Secondly, the tourist, being English, is always more or less hilarious, supercilious and aggressive and these are qualities of which the irish of all people least like a display at any rate from an englishman time out of mind the english tourist has been the covert bete of the continental peoples on account of these very traits an englishman on the continent especially if he be a middle-class englishman or a very wealthy englishman as a knack of divesting himself utterly of the thin veneer of social decency which he manages to maintain at home somehow the air of the continent exhilarates him to all sorts of posturing and ridiculousness the vulgarian the philistine and the snob in him become greatly emphasized he can shout aloud and be rude to everybody because he believes that nobody understands what he is pleased to call His lingo. Besides which, the Englishman on the continent always believes in his private bosom that he is a philanthropist, a sort of circular touring benevolence, as it were. Who is it, he inquires grandiloquently, that keeps these poor foreigners going? Why, the English, and the English alone. It is we who bring millions of pounds to their starved, tax burdened countries it is we who populate their rapacious hotels and make their seasons for them and drop our idiot moneys at their gambling tables and pay francs at the entrances to their art galleries and climb their rotten mountains and steam to soft lydian airs up their rivers and bathe in their lukewarm seas and tip them and patronize them and joke with them and generally afford them opportunities for existence this attitude has been noted and laughed at by the cynical time out of mind but it cannot be eradicated from the englishman's fairly comprehensive stock of idiosyncrasies and it remains to this day typical of the breed to ireland the english tourist proceeds focused for pretty well the same view of things Of course he is disposed to look upon your irishman as being rather more of a man and a brother than is the low foreigner further he invariably believes that by a judicious expenditure on drinks coupled with an easy slap you on the back but still superior manner he can extract from the irishman with whom he comes in contact the whole secret of the irish question in other words he makes a point of going to ireland with his eyes open so that when he returns he may remark huskily in his club sir i have visited ireland and i know the irish people through and through waiter a large scotch please thus is the altruism of the tourist in ireland tempered with the taste for inquiry and politics i suppose that in no country in the world is the tourist allowed so much of his fling as in this same green errand. for example in ireland he takes care to call every man pat and every woman kathleen Mavourneen. if he called a frenchman froggy or a german johnny deutscher he would stand a good chance of getting his nose pulled but in ireland a bold peasantry has learned to smile and smile and touch the hat and take the coppers And provide the political information for which his honor is gasping without so much as turning a hair. It is not really in the Irish blood to take these travelling mountebanks with their loud suits and louder manners and louder money seriously or even indifferently. On the other hand, your true Irish resent in their hearts the entire business. It is their poverty and not their wills which consent though singularly enough as i have already said you will seldom find an irishman indulging himself in growls about it and it is this very poverty which might reasonably give rise to the irishman's third grievance against the tourist for an englishman travelling in ireland is always a sort of perambulating incitement to envy because of his apparent wealth he may be only a clerk Out for a fortnight's rest and change on money squeezed out of the meagreest kind of salary, yet to the penniless Irishman he seems literally to be made of wealth. And Pat, let us call him Pat, so that the tourist of this world may know whom we mean, is not without certain reasoning powers of his own, poverty stricken though he may be. It seems to me only human that he should reason about the English tourist in a way which brings him little comfort and throws considerable discredit on england he perceives that compared with himself the englishman is not altogether a person of genius or an angel of light his ignorance is appalling even to an irishman his manners are none of the choicest his capacity for eating and drinking borders on the marvellous pat notes these things and wonders he wonders why there should be such tremendous gulfs between loving subjects of the king he wonders where people who travel on cheap tickets get all their money he wonders how they manage to pay fifty pounds a rod for certain fishing or fifty pounds a gun for certain shooting he wonders why they cackle so about priestcraft and home rule and the development of industry he wonders whether they have really been elected by heaven to be a dominant people he wonders why he himself should have been given over to their governance and with all his wondering he is not consoled there is probably nobody to tell him that for irremediable reasons the irish are never likely to become a happy and prosperous nation there is nobody to tell him that this dazzling englishman is so much gross material with no tradition of spirituality at the back of him there is nobody to tell him that it is the british habit to think first and foremost of his own welfare and comfort and that it pities rather than admires those countries or persons who have been foredoomed to contribute to them therefore he goes on wondering without consolation and within him there is discontent and bitterness despite his outward subservience there has been very tall talk in sundry well-meaning circles as to the advantages which are to accrue to ireland from the development of her trade in tourists no doubt it is extremely heterodox to say so but for myself i incline to the opinion that the tourist business on its present lines is a snare and a delusion and a demoralization it takes money into the country certainly but it takes other things which are not by any means so desirable moreover that very money helps materially to cloud and confuse important issues the real condition of ireland as it is known to irish officialdom and as it should be known to englishmen is glossed over and hidden away as a direct result of the eleemosynary tendencies of the english tourist a people of the temper and parts of the irish people should be in position to live out of irish land and irish industry and not be in any serious sense dependent upon the fitful generosity of sightseers and problem solvers ireland has had far too much largesse both private and public the english tourist distributes his shillings the english government distributes its loans and other financial bolsterings up what is wanted is a fair field, no favour for Irish labour. It will take many generations of tourists to provide for Ireland any such good gift. I do not believe that the government loans can provide either. A newer and less rapacious and less unintelligent race of landlords might achieve it. The bland, benevolent, money dropping Englishman who out of his generosity or his scheme of politics desires to assist the Irish people should buy a place in ireland and do his best to live there the country is full of properties which would be cheap at treble the prices that are now being asked for them there is plenty of land and there is plenty of labour The land laws it is true seem on the face of them ridiculous that is to say if you happen to be a landlord whose eye is forever on the rent roll and the automatic improvement of properties at other people's expense but if on the other hand you are a comfortable high tory patriarchal landlord with bowels and a proper appreciation of sport and a proper interest in agriculture and the breeding of cattle ireland need have no terrors for you there is a notion abroad that the irish farmer has deep-rooted prejudices against landlords of whatever degree we are told that he is a confirmed shirker of the prime duty of rent-paying and that he will let a holding go to rack and ruin for the sole purpose of cheapening its value so that he may himself buy it for the merest song the demand throughout the country we are told is for farmer and peasant proprietorship and the legislature has formulated wonderful machinery in the interest of such proprietorship my own view is that of two evils the irish cultivators have in this matter chosen the lesser on the one hand they have rack rents absentee landlords and agents who if they had bodies to be shot appear to have had very small souls to be saved on the other hand they have been offered schemes of purchase that sound very well but do not work out quite so well in practice still a bad scheme of purchase is better than bad landlords and worse agents an intelligent and reasonable landlord of bucolic tastes who will look as sharply after his agent or factor As he will look after his tenants on rent day, could, in my opinion, do quite as well in Ireland as he can do in England. In a sentence, Ireland wants settling, not touring. End of chapter seventeen. Recording by John Brandon.